0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the importance of unlearning and relearning, and this podcast is inspired by the blog post that I wrote a few months ago about the importance of unlearning and relearning, which was inspired by Adam Grant's recent book, Think Again. Uh, It's very insightful, very eye-opening and mind-opening. So I highly recommend Adam Grant's book Think Again. Uh, And so without further ado I will be talking a little bit about what is unlearning and relearning uh, as well as how we can kind of go about that process. So uh, let's get into the show but before that a quick word from our sponsor. And after reading Adam Grant's recent book, Think Again, I've come to the realization of how important it is for us to engage in unlearning and relearning. There's so much information out there these days on the internet that it can be extremely challenging to sift through myths, facts, and biased research. This can make for some very hairy, minimally informed understandings and lots of misunderstandings that people have on various topics. If we don't engage in the process of unlearning and relearning, we could end up in a place that we never believed that we would be. Let me first take some time to explain what it means to unlearn and then relearn. So first it's a process that people engage in to challenge their previously held beliefs, their previously held thoughts, and previously held knowledge on topics that are held near and dear to their hearts. It is the process that we take part in when we try to examine our preconceived notions by analyzing information that we don't agree with, excuse me. In an analogy, it can be thought of as updating our brain, just like computers needing new software updates. Our brains also need to unlearn and relearn information in order to make advances. So a quick example of unlearning and relearning that I have recently taken part in is my thoughts and beliefs on the concept of multitasking. Now, When I first heard of the term, I, just like a lot of people, believed that it was indeed a real thing. Then, one day while in a cognitive psychology class during my undergraduate degree days at Norwich, my cognitive psychology professor, Mark Stefani, absolutely blew my mind when he said that there really is no such thing as multitasking. During his lecture that day, he informed us that when we think we are multitasking, we are in fact task-switching due to the fact that our brain engages in this start and stop process each time we take on a new task. In order for me to accept this as the truth, I had to get rid of my previously held beliefs and thoughts around the concept and reconfigure them based on the new information that was presented to me that day. After that day, I've also agreed with that evidence from Professor Stefani that he presented to us that day, And since then, I've held that belief that there really is no such thing as multitasking. Then, I actually listened to a recent podcast, uh, a recent neuroscience podcast, in which Stanford professor Andrew Huberman stated that multitasking is something that people can indeed do. However, his argument was that the brain can focus on two things simultaneously— but the brain does have a heavier focus on one task over the other. The example that he cited was adults having a dinner while watching their children. They are tasting and experiencing the food that they're eating while trying to make sure that their children are behaving. And depending upon the context in which how that event is playing out, their brain is more than likely focused on one more than the other. So for example, if their children are being well-behaved, They get to enjoy their meal a bit more. However, if they need some reminders and refocusing language, then the attention is taken away and the brain focus is taken away from that meal, and it's now transferred on to trying to redirect that child or those children. And so after hearing that podcast, I I had to really rethink my beliefs around multitasking. So I went to the research, and after navigating through multiple articles with links to scientific studies, I came back to the conclusion that I believe multitasking really does not exist. Because it made me see, after going through the research and rereading and rethinking, it made me see the flaw in Huberman's thinking. Because he even stated that the brain is more focused on one thing than the other in the example that he stated, which is a lot like that concept that Professor Stefani taught us that day, along that along with many other psychologists for that matter, where they state that the brain is merely focused on one thing, then it switches its attention to something else. So therefore, in that case of Huberman, the adults, again, were mostly focused on their meal until the children or child did something that needed their attention. Now, some people might be asking, why should we unlearn and relearn? My thoughts and my beliefs are what they are, and I don't need to change them. But one reason that we should all try to engage in the process of unlearning and relearning is the fact that the world around us is constantly changing, both for better or for worse. This is happening at a lightning-fast pace, and there are no signs of slowing down at all. If we don't try to keep up, we could very easily be left behind. Even Adam Grant states in his book that the accelerating pace of change means that we need to question our beliefs more readily than ever before. Vintage records, classic cars, and antique clocks might be valuable collectibles, but outdated facts are mental fossils that are best abandoned. So essentially, if you're really caught and stuck in a mode of thinking that's essentially outdated... It's not necessarily going to be relevant today, nor will it be relevant as we move forward, just because of how vast, vastly different times are now versus how they were back then. Now, a prime example of this is from Grant's book, when he actually tells a great story about the former CEO of BlackBerry. I believe it's pronounced Mike Les- Lazaridis. Mike Lazaridis, I believe is how it's pronounced. Anyways... So his first crack at the smartphone industry was his invention of the BlackBerry, which was the first device of its kind that had the ability to send and receive emails. Therefore, its profits absolutely blew up upon its initial release in 1999 because it was the only device of its kind in that year. However, BlackBerry's success was very short-lived as their profits over the next several years quickly plummeted due to their failure to adapt with the times. Other devices like the iPhone were much more innovative in their approach in the smart in terms of how the smartphone is built, as they added features like touch screens, applications, and an internet browser. While Black, uh, Blackberry CEO Lazaridis stuck to his guns and kept the features of the Blackberry the same, despite the fact that employee requests as early as 1997, so two years before the actual release of the Blackberry employees requested to add an internet browser to the phone unfortunately that didn't happen as a result blackberry became obsolete in the smartphone industry because of their ceo's failure to adapt and change his thinking another reason that we should try to engage in unlearning and relearning is the fact that it will result in us having a broader more open perspective on many topics over time, we'll gain more insight to the ideas that we thought we knew, as well as the ideas we genuinely didn't know. Having this perspective can help us develop more humility and vulnerability in our thinking, considering we'll be thinking more like a scientist, like, excuse me, <clears throat> like a scientist rather than a preacher, politician, or prosecutor. These are ways of thinking that Grant cites in his book. The scientist is the skeptic that digs deep for answers by searching for evidence, especially that which challenges their bias, excuse me, especially those uh, which challenge their bias. Meanwhile, the preacher just preaches their preciously held thoughts and beliefs on specific matters, unwilling to change their mind because their thoughts and beliefs are essentially gospel. Not only that, but preachers are also very quick to prosecute and really point the finger at the thoughts and beliefs and information that disprove their stance. This is what people do when attacking arguments, as they attack the small parts of the other argument in order to prove that argument is wrong. This is also when the politician comes into play, as they try to sway the neutral folks into agreeing with their side of the argument as a result of preaching their cherry-picked facts and prosecuting small parts of the other side's argument. When we actually unlearn and relearn, We are attempting to get rid of our biases that lead to the vicious cycles of preaching, prosecuting, and politicking. The reason for this is due to the fact that one needs humility in order to get rid of preconceived notions and be open to change. There was even a note in Think Again that states, The root of humility comes from a Latin phrase that means, of the earth. Therefore, having humility is a way for us to be grounded as humans. If we are wanting to evolve our thinking and transcend our thoughts and beliefs based on evidence, we must allow ourselves to grow our roots rather than let them rot. This results in becoming more thoughtful with seeking evidence that doesn't have confirmation bias or desirability bias. These two types of bias tend to stand in the way of our ability to change our thinking, along with the ability to engage in metacognition, which is thinking about our thinking. Confirmation bias is when we seek evidence that supports our previously held thoughts and beliefs. So this is how the cycle of preaching, prosecuting, and politicking begins. And desirability bias is when we believe in what we think others want us to believe in. This is how politicians are actually able to sway people where they create a sense of desirability with their explanations of how their if elected plans will improve the world. That message of improvement also speaks to specific groups of people and those specific groups of people to confirm their bias about how the world could improve, which makes those people believe that that is what is best for them and others, so as a result, they vote for that politician. However, if we want to make true changes and start to advance in our lives, we must actively challenge our own thoughts and become more thoughtful in what we think we know and be willing to engage with what we don't know. Now, in terms of how we can go about unlearning and relearning, first and foremost, it starts with the choice to engage in that process. That means taking the time and effort to actively pursue information that does not agree with what we think we know. This is how we challenge our current mode of thinking and believing. With that said, that means we need to try to let go or at least challenge both our confirmation bias and our desirability bias. Once we start to do this, We'll recognize that there can be a plethora of information that challenges our views. If we come across this, it is important to accept the evidence as such, especially if it is legitimate evidence that was gathered through well-crafted research. Considering scientists are paid to be skeptical, most tried to design studies to remove their own bias and confounds that would sway the data in favor of their bias. This is also why it is important to gather information from legitimate resources, as well as check the credibility of those resources that we're using to gather information. This proves to be a challenge to a lot of people because it truly does take some extra time and effort that we don't always feel like we have. We are constantly on the move or tackling tasks at work and even at home, often feeling like there is no time for anything extra, especially if it is something that we are not motivated to do. Another reason why this proves to be a challenge for a lot of people is that there tends to be a lot of emotional attachment and a sense of self that comes with our thoughts and beliefs. This turns into an identity crisis when we challenge our previously held beliefs, because we could have thoughts like, there's no way I could have been wrong this whole time, or these are my thoughts and beliefs, or this is my knowledge. Almost as if somebody is taking a part, or all of us, away. However, this is essentially how confirmation bias manifests. We absorb some knowledge on a topic and it becomes a part of us. Then, we are challenged on that topic. Then when we are challenged on that topic, we feel like we are under attack by people that don't know as much about the topic as we do. Meanwhile, if we can truly recognize the value of unlearning and relearning, We just might be able to have the strength to persevere and push through, despite some of the challenges that stand in our way. When we update our thinking, we are actually updating our sense of self and becoming more wise in the process. Using the computer analogy, we are improving our cognitive software when we unlearn and relearn. We are putting the old files that we no longer need in the trash and replacing them with new, updated ones. We are allowing our mental hard drive to function in more effective ways than before. Our character will grow too, as traits like courage and authenticity take center stage. Our courage will grow because that is what it takes to admit when we were wrong or don't know something, and, willing, and be willing to change our minds. It also takes courage to actively explore the depths of what we don't know because it is uncharted territory with no roadmap for navigation. Authenticity will also shine through as we'll be able to admit our faults and be willing to correct them for the greater good. Now there's often the question of what if others don't agree with the process of unlearning and relearning. When we come to this challenge, it is important to consider how much, we, how much value that that person or those people bring to our lives. If the answer is not much or they take value away, we might want to rethink our relationship with them. It is important to remember that not everyone will want to update their way of thinking, and as a result, they won't be evolving. It is also important to try to remember why we're unlearning and relearning in the first place. That is to add value to our lives and potentially to add value to those of the, those lives around us. If others are not on board, then they'll get left at the docks. Lastly, we can try to remember this quote from Adam Grant in the first pages of his book. If knowledge is power, knowing what we don't know is wisdom. So thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to this podcast, folks. I really appreciate it. Uh, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, Places that you can like and support the podcast are wardenswisdom.com. You can find all of our podcasts as well as our blog posts on that site. Um, You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, Google Play, and many other podcast platforms. If you are liking this content, please feel free to share with others that also might benefit from it, because that is the main goal of this podcast, as well as the Warden's Wisdom blog, is to just try to bring a little bit of insight into people's lives just to make it a little bit better. So if you know somebody that could benefit from this, please feel free to share it with them, and I will see you folks next time.